Hey, this is Carla. This is Jasmine. And you're listening to Cracking, cracking the, the coconut, coconut, where we tackle taboo conversations in the Filipino community by cracking one coconut at a time. Everybody, welcome back to Cracking the Coconut, where we tackle taboo conversations in the Filipino community with hopes of finding common ground. I am your host, Carla J. And I'm your host, Jasmine. I am Carla's trusty sidekick, also known as the Lumpia to her pancit. Mmm, yummy. I love Lumpia. Me too. <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> Lumpia and pancit, so I had a fabulous 4th of July weekend. It was so much fun hanging out with my cousins. Uh, it's been quite a long time since hanging out with them because I don't know if you know about this thing called coronavirus. Ooh, not a fan, not yeah, a fan. Yeah, fucking hate that bitch. Um, so she uh, kept us from hanging out with some of our loved ones. So during 4th of July, I was able to hang out with my cousins, do an outdoor backyard barbecue, play beer pong, lots of alcohol, good tacos. It was so much fun, lots of fireworks. And I am super grateful to have spent that time with my cousins because my cousins are actually uh, some of my favorite people. They're my first chosen best friends, I guess, you, if you will. That's really, really cute. You know. You know, that's special to have that <laughs> bond, especially because you don't have brothers and your cousins are boys. I had an enjoyable 4th of July or just another Sunday, first Sunday of July, mm -hmm. as I'd like to think. And... You know, one thing, I, you know, that I really like about that day, I guess, I'm sure a lot of you have seen video clips of how fireworks are constantly going off in L.A. And mm -hmm. you see like this big spread out fireworks show all over the county. And it looks like really, really cool. Mm -hmm. And it's not an exaggeration. Fireworks are literally going off in every corner. And you could be driving on the freeway and seeing fireworks on this corner, on that corner. And it looks really cool. Not bad for the environment. Not good for the environment. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's a really cool thing to see. Mm-hmm. 100%. So here we are on episode six. Mm -hmm. You know, we're about less than a month in um, to officially launching Cracking the Coconut. So I just want to give, we just want to give a really, really big thank you to everybody who's commented, who's um, listened in, who's liked our stuff, um, and just continue the conversation, you know, because that's pretty much our goal is mm -hmm. to have everybody join in in these unfiltered, safe space conversations. And it means so much to hear your feedback. And we can only go up from here. A hundred percent. Thank you so much to everyone who has shown support, shown enthusiasm and excitement for our platform and for tuning in, whether that's on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, whatever it may be. Thank you so much. And also special thank you to those who took time out of their day to send us really, really kind comments. It really warms us our heart and gets us super fucking excited and jazz for the day. It's jazz, you're Jasmine. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, All right, so today let's uh, get to our topic of the day. Yeah. Um, so today we're cracking Filipinos versus Filipinos. Ooh, and yeah. you might be thinking like, what are you talking about? I thought this was community. I thought this was family. I thought this was, in, you know, inviting with your wholehearted inviting. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's not always the case, unfortunately. Yeah. The thing about Filipinos, and it's one of my favorite traits, is that we 
love a good bonding session where very there's so much camaraderie within the community. This is something that I've said in past episodes. And it's, I think, one of the most beautiful traits about the Filipino community. If you ever find yourself at a Filipino party... You are in luck. You are blessed because you are going home with food. When you get there, you're going to be fed. When you leave, you're going home with a take-home plate yes. um, of some sort. And you will just be welcomed with open arms. They're literally going to adopt you into the family right then and there. However, despite all of that camaraderie and that genuine generosity, there's also a lot of judgment, contradicting um, oneself, a lot of crab mentality and just a lot of ugly things within the community despite all the lovey-dovey shit completely agree with that you know and like carla said you know the welcoming the hospitality all that it's very very genuine don't get Mm -hmm. us wrong but once you start getting into these taboo topics Mm -hmm. these very very touchy topics it gets a little little shaky one of the main reasons of having this particular episode and why we're discussing this topic of Filipino versus Filipinos. And it really encompasses what we're doing with cracking the coconut in general, how we want to bridge the gap of understanding between Filipino Americans and Filipinos uh, back home in the Philippines. And it's because there's just this really weird dynamic that we're trying to figure out and trying to unpack and doing this through these open safe space conversations and this dynamic is that within the filipino community there's a lot of um envy there's a lot Mm -hmm. of uh hatred anger and like i mentioned there's a lot of crab mentality which is if you're not familiar with essentially think of a bunch of crabs within a pot and they're all trying to get out of this pot or the bucket but as one crab is trying to get out another crab below them grabs their legs and brings them down it's Mm -hmm. kind of like that within the filipino community you see a filipino rising to the top to get out of this pot or bucket and someone else a fellow filipino has to bring them down and this doesn't um hold true for every single Filipino. I know there's Filipinos like us, like we see a fellow Filipino doing their thing and succeeding. That makes us really excited because we're all for that. But there's also some people who don't want to admit it out loud, but they fucking hate that. It's kind of like that idea of when it's a phrase that I saw on Twitter where strangers are more likely to support you rather than the people that you grew up with because you came from the same place. And so seeing someone that you were personally on an even playing field with succeed and reach their highest frequencies, you don't want to support that Mm -hmm. because you're like, man, like... That, that could have been me or whatever. And instead of supporting and celebrating those successes, mm-hmm. you just want to tear them down. See, it couldn't have ever been them, though, because they didn't put the effort. You know, like mm-hmm. nobody gets to a place of success without putting some effort, getting their ass up, working hard. Mm-hmm, 100%. So I, you know, and, and I feel like a lot of people don't really digest that thought and mm-hmm. that truth because successful people aren't lazy nope you know and there's a difference between being rich and getting handouts yes whereas getting your own riches because you worked hard for it and i think people don't realize that 
I agree. And speaking of someone who has worked incredibly hard to earn their place is Miss Cataluna Enriquez. So Cataluna Enriquez is the first openly transgender woman to win Miss Nevada and has earned her place to participate in the Miss USA pageant. She is Filipino-American. She's absolutely fucking beautiful. And we are super excited and so Man, the representation, let me tell you, is so exciting to me. First, when I found out she was Filipino-American, I was so excited. And the fact that she's also a transgender woman, I'm just like, fuck yes for the community, a win for the community. Um, we've said this in past episodes, how the LGBTQ plus is um, also a taboo topic within the Filipino community. Yes, there are people who are uh, very welcoming and open-minded, but there is still uh, those people who don't find who don't support the lgbtq plus community unfortunately and while we're excited and while there's so many people excited about cataluna's win there's also a lot of fellow filipinos who are so mean and have been leaving such hateful comments Mm -hmm. and instead of celebrating cataluna's win and congratulating her um they are tearing her down and tearing her apart and it's Mm -hmm. really really sad I'm going to go ahead and read a couple of really ignorant comments that were found in a Filipino Facebook group. And it's about Cataluna. And some of these are just really super ignorant. And I just want to take some time to read some to you to help you get a gist of how cruel some fellow Filipinos can be about their own, you know, their own uh, kind. One person says... He can be a woman from the outside, but his DNA and chromosomes will never change and his sex too. XY for a male and XX for female. A man won in a woman's beauty contest. I am confused. Wish him luck. Someone else said, is his breast natural? Asking for a friend. Um, Someone else said, I wonder how all the female contestants in Nevada feel that they lost to a man. Here's another one. Nothing against LGBT, but this is sick. They should have to compete on their own gender-associated preference. Same goes to athletes. And I found this comment particularly amusing because this person says nothing against LGBT, but honey, the T in the alphabet mafia means transgender, and you don't get to cherry-pick which parts of the community you find acceptable to accept and to celebrate if you're going to support the community gotta support us all Mm -hmm. yeah it's just really sad you know when you're explaining about the crab mentality you know they weren't just they're not just pulling cataluna back in the pot they're actually pulling her and then ripping her apart yes yeah and you know these comments that these these people are sharing mm-hmm. you know like the audacity to share it on, on you know that people have no filter on these social media platforms but mm-hmm. it also shows that you have no understanding and you're very very ignorant yeah and you're also there to spew hate and because you don't understand somebody or you um Maybe you're scared for whatever reason, you know, like they fear people who are different than them. Yeah. And the thing is, it's okay to not understand what it means to be transgender. But instead of respectfully asking questions to better understand and better educate yourself, these Filipinos were hourly um, disgusted by everything. I mean, if you don't understand, just ask Be like, hey, I I don't understand Uh, when someone is born a boy. How can they be a female? I don't understand. And the community is here to 
send credible sources and articles and to tell you what the difference between sex and gender is and a whole bunch of you just got to ask and be yeah. respectful about it but instead some of these fellow filipinos were just being so cruel and so mean and that was just only a tiny portion there were hundreds of comments like this just within this private filipino group just think about all the negativity and hate that Kataluda has gotten throughout the years and the mm-hmm. fact that she was able to face those adversities fight through those break down those walls and and yeah. become Miss Nevada and maybe one day become Miss USA mm-hmm. says so much about Cataluna's character as a person, as a woman, rather than her being a transgender woman. Yeah. And it's crazy because also to these people probably have no care for pageant life mm-hmm. outside of this, you know, story of Cataluna winning. Yes. Um, and the fact that they would choose to bring her down more so than support her as a Filipino mm-hmm. winning and achieving this um, is crazy. It's just it, it doesn't make any sense to me in terms of Filipino support and mm-hmm. Filipino pride in America. No, 100 percent. Cataluna is literally making history and paving the way for not only Filipino American women, but paving the way for Filipino transgender women. I'm pretty sure there was a young transgender uh, girl or someone who's feeling you know unsure about themselves and watching Cataluna um, just be her most authentic self and winning this title of Miss Nevada and that you know young girl watching the TV or seeing social media and seeing Cataluna and thinking wow that could be me that could actually be my reality I could be a beauty queen or maybe not a beauty queen like maybe I could be someone just as successful because Cataluna did it, so why can't I? Yeah. And I think that's fucking beautiful. And the thing is, Cataluna is not the first Filipino to participate and win prestigious titles within these beauty pageants. There's Catriona Gray, Megan Young, uh, Pia Wurtzbeck. They're all um, Filipinos who have won uh, beauty pageant titles, and they've earned their res- they've earned respect, and they've been supported by the Filipino community. But suddenly. A Filipino woman who also happens to be transgender wins the title and uh, she's not supported Mm -hmm. in it. In terms of pageant queens, there's also been um, a couple of uh, Filipinos that are not even full Filipino. Like there's Mm -hmm. two that that I've seen, um, Rabia Mateo and uh, Venus Raj. They're both half Indian. And, and, you know, uh, Filipinos, they didn't say oh she's not filipino enough to to show up and represent us uh-huh. they had they had no hesitation side note filipino indian that is such a beautiful mix and combination and just imagine the party imagine <laughs> going to a filipino indian wedding and how fucking epic that if any filipino indians want to invite us to their wedding i would love to be a part of it I thought, I thought you were going to say, if there's any Indian who wants to come and marry me. <laughs> That's funny. If there are any money. Indians who would like to marry me. <laughs> She's so, available. So another Filipino person that, you know, the community has actually kind of shunned mm-hmm. and pushed aside is Jake Zyrus. Oh, yes. And Jake Zyrus is formerly known as Sharice Pempenko. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know um, who Sharice was, Sharice um, was a very big rising star, not mm-hmm. only in the Filipino community, but in the world. Yes. You know, she 
has this powerful had this powerful voice uh, for this little girl um you know one of the strongest voices she could sing like celine dion and like whitney and Mm -hmm. we all know nobody can always sing that you know you Mm -hmm. might try but you won't come close but yeah you know she she was renowned throughout the world and her success was was crazy you know it's a status that a lot of people would love to achieve whether Mm -hmm. they're filipino or not or not and one of the the big achievements for sharice that i i really enjoyed was she was actually on the tv show glee yeah and you know i'll always remember how she came in um to the in the bathroom scene and she's on her little earphones and she's singing um she starts singing like a lady gaga song with rachel berry which is like the lead character character of glee and mm-hmm. you know she was front and center um doing her thing yes and, that was an icon yeah. such an iconic and epic scene i will always remember that because it was just so much fun and for sharice to come in and have this powerful dynamic voice and to be able to not only keep up with leah michelle who plays rachel berry on glee but to be at the same level as this as like the main star of glee Mm -hmm. is wonderful and i thought that was great representation for the community i was very excited completely agree Mm -hmm. and you know like she was like this beloved star of the philippines um you know, a few years later, Sharice actually came out as lesbian. And, you know, once that started, she started getting shit and no support from the community. Mm-hmm. Probably because people didn't really understand or didn't like it for their own personal reasons. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, she started to dress a little more androgynous, uh, cut her hair, um, change the way she, she her appearance looked. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, then a few a few years later, uh, uh, Charisse came out as Jake Zyrus, mm-hmm. um, and Jake came out as trans. Um, and then, you know, at that point, that's when the community really, really didn't fuck with him anymore. And, um, you know, all, all he was faced with was judgment, um, and didn't focus anymore on the talent of Jake as the artist and the person. Um, and didn't like adore Jake the way mm-hmm. they adored Charisse, which is crazy because, you know, there will always be parts of, Sharice in Jake mm-hmm. um, you know in terms of like success yes. and um, you know it must have been so confusing <laughs> it must have been so confusing and heartbreaking for him to experience Jake just became who he has always been and embracing himself and being his most truest authentic form as Jake he didn't do anything bad he just became him mm-hmm. and but suddenly that's grounds to completely shun and discredit a person it's really sad yeah. so yeah. recently jake uh had an interview on this platform called tony talks and tony talks is hosted by tony gonzaga soriano and tony is such an accredited person her career in the industry in the philippines spans 20 years she has a huge platform on youtube that's about like 3 million subscribers and jake was on this interview with tony and it was such a wonderful and beautiful interview and really eye-opening as well tony really took the time to listen to jake and i'm gonna put the link to this interview in the blog so if you want to check it out um the link will be in there so i highly recommend it it's it's a great it's a great interview check it out you won't waste your time you Mm -hmm. won't lose x amount of minutes in your life it will be very beneficial just understanding where jake's coming from Mm -hmm. from a filipino um 
point of view. Yes, 100%. Uh, Jake touches on mental health and um, a, a bunch of really hard and taboo topics and the fact that tony who like i said has this huge career and huge platform is and is beloved by the filipino community for her to sit and listen and give jake the voice that he has always deserved is such a wonderful thing and i love what she's doing and as successful as tony is it also makes me wonder why Tony Talks isn't on a major Filipino network like mm. ABS-CBN. What if they're trying to, in a sense, silence her because she's taking the time and energy mm. and heart to put these taboo topics on a platform and give voices to those who um, may need a little push and a little help in, not enhancing, but help... Um, amplifying those voices and maybe these media outlets in the philippines don't want to give her airtime because they're it, not ready for it they're not ready for it you know tony's doing something wonderful and beautiful and purposeful but maybe these outlets are like uh yeah no that's too that's too controversial we can't yeah. we can't i i think you know one of the things that stood out about tony talks to me is like i've never seen like visually a filipino adult handle a conversation the way she handled a conversation speaking with jake mm -hmm. she was just patient understanding she didn't insert herself and give her own opinion yes she legit listened to jake talk about himself his struggle and it seemed like she genuinely cared and mm -hmm. i feel like a lot of filipinos especially young people they don't get that opportunity to have a conversation like that with their parents mm -hmm. and you know just by that conversation i feel like a lot of parents can if they wanted to they could really take take the time to watch that and be like wow you know like maybe i can be a little more understanding maybe mm -hmm. i can be patient and not butt in and and think i'm right all the time yeah you know? and and Imagine how healthy our community c could be and how our relationships could be stronger with one another if, you know, there are more people like Tony or more adults like Tony. Yes, 100 percent. And I think maybe going back to just the main topic in general of Filipino versus Filipino, maybe that's why there are homophobic or transphobic Filipinos within the community because Philippine media chooses to showcase a very monolithic version of what mm. it means to be LGBTQ+. I watch a lot of Filipino movies and a lot of Filipino TV shows, and yes, they do feature gay characters, but it's a very... Um, it's very limited. It's either butch woman or flamboyant male and they're mm. often seen as the butt of the joke or something that's not serious and while there is that small representation on uh philippine media which i think you know is good they're also choosing to be instead of showing the entire spectrum of what it means to be lgbtq plus and all the wonderful colors mm -hmm. the community brings they're very choosy like i said cherry picking what parts of the community they deem acceptable and maybe it's okay yeah. to uh, to showcase a maybe a flamboyant male because there's there's it's it's more acceptable or maybe it's easier to digest see when they do that though it completely dehumanizes the person mm -hmm. 
you know, and that makes it digestible, you know, for for the audience, Mm -hmm. for them to be able to be seen on TV because they're not seen as a person. They're seen as a joke. Yeah. When people aren't a joke here. But one last thing on Tony Talk, she said something or in the interview, there was a lot of very beautiful moments and very beautiful quotes. And one of them came from Jake. And he said, if you don't understand, just be kind to me. If you don't understand, just be kind and try to understand at your own pace. Ask questions and, you know. Yeah, you're, you're going to have to have these difficult, uncomfortable conversations to really understand people who aren't like you. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing you can do is continue to, like, separate and spread yourself apart from, you know, these people and, and understanding them. Like, you're not helping nobody, but you're, but you're not helping anybody. You're not even helping your damn self. Yeah, and even though Tony Talks is not on a major network, it kind of works out because she is putting herself and doing something very beautiful and purposeful and putting it on YouTube. And instead of maybe limiting exposure to just the Filipino people, she's now expanding that so the whole world can see her. Mm -hmm. And uh, not just her, because she's not doing this for clout or for money or whatever she's doing this to give voices and platforms mm-hmm. to those who need f- to voices that need to be amplified and held up and i think that's beautiful and despite social media being very ugly at times it can also produce a lot of beautiful and great things like tony talks on youtube so again if you're interested in seeing the interview or interested in seeing any more of tony's interviews um i will put links in the blog post so check them out so speaking of social media there is a tiktok that i came across on my feed and it was very very interesting to me and this is one of the reasons why i want to bring it up because so this person on tiktok is commenting on filipino american humor and how it's cringy because all of the jokes are mocking our own Filipino culture. And instead of like summarizing what this person says, I'm gonna go ahead and just play the TikTok for you. So here it is. Stop right there. I swear to God, Filipino American humor is so embarrassing. It literally is embarrassing. Like I swear the humor only consists of mocking Philippine culture and think it's peak comedy. Like where? Where? Point it out to us. Where? Like, bro, it needs to stop. You're just embarrassing yourself. Fuck. So what this person says is completely valid and it makes total sense. Like, why is it that we find jokes that mark our own culture funny? Or why do we find comedians like Joe Coy, who is imitating his mother's voice instead of saying Joseph, he's imitating his mom saying Joseph. So why is it that Filipinos find it hilarious? And it, it it's understandable that others find it offensive. And um, it's just another example of Filipinos versus Filipinos because it's not trying to understand the other side of it and just quickly putting judgment on it. I was reading through the comments of that particular TikTok and I want to bring some up right now so we can discuss some of them because it was very eye-opening. So let me just go ahead and read some. One comment goes, it's always the ones who don't know how to pronounce Tagalog words properly. Another person said finally someone said it tbh to be honest i always feel out of place when i see philam humor on this app since it always revolves around making fun of our culture 
this person said, right? Phil Lamb's one of the biggest self-haters. The first people to scream proud Pinoy and the first ones to mock the culture heritage while also denying their identity. And then another person said in response to that, yep, many Filipino Americans are discriminating towards Filipinos who were born, raised in Philippines, but people aren't ready to hear that yet. And then one more. Y'all ain't ready. <laughs> the fuck? Uh, one, uh, one more. A lot of Filipino Americans are woke elitists who are extremely unaware of themselves. Ugh, okay. <sighs> See, Filipino American comedy is different than comedy from people in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. You know, and also a lot of comedy is based on truth. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of comedians out there who are not only Filipino American, but Nigerian American. Or, you know, like other Asian American Mm -hmm. uh, comedians and all of their comedy or a majority of their comedy is based on their own actual experience as a person of color, a person of a different Mm -hmm. ethnic background. Um, And they're kind of similar to Filipino American comedy Mm -hmm. because it's an immigrant experience. Yes. Um, You know making fun of somebody's voice and the way they say something isn't always it's not always about making fun of you because you sound different it's the way you sound so that's Mm -hmm. how they're gonna come across like the voice you know um Mm -hmm. and and it's not like they're taking advantage of the fact that say say joe coy he's not taking advantage that his mom's a fob or like his mom has an accent it's literally how she speaks to him so he's imitating her voice Mm -hmm. not imitating her weird filipino accent yes and i 100 percent agree especially when you said that humor is um it's subject subjective what i found funny what you find funny it's not going to be found funny by a lot of people but i think one of the reasons why filipino americans find comedians like joe coy funny or find these mocking jokes funny to them is because it's our way to relating back to our filipino culture the thing about filipino heritage in the u.s is that it is so deeply erased it's not even erased in the fact that we're forgotten or lost it's erased in the fact that we don't exist and growing up in the 90s and early 2000s there was literally no representation out there of what it means to be filipino american or when there would be filipinos on tv or a movie those characters are played a completely different ethnicity. For example, Lelaine, she played Miranda Sanchez on a really popular Disney Channel show called Liz McGuire, one of my fucking favorites. Love Hilary Duff. <laughs> but Lelaine, um, a Phil- she's a Filipino actress. She plays a Hispanic girl on the show. And the thing about Filipino Americans that I've said several times is the camaraderie. You meet another Filipino, it's like this instant bond, like, oh, you're Filipino, me too, I'm Filipino. And then when you start talking about, you know, your experiences growing up as a Filipino American, there's even more connection, even more bond. And it's like, oh, your your mom has an accent? My mom has an accent. Wait, does your mom say theater? How does your mom say theater? Oh, my mom says theater chatter. Oh, wait, my mom says it too. Yeah. And I think part of 
adhering or not, not adhering. I think part of grasping onto comedians like Joe Coy and these type of jokes is because it's a form of coping. It's a coping mechanism because of erasure, yeah. because of not being represented in the media. On top of mm-hmm. that, there's a lot of pressure at home from Filipinos and also Filipino parents who do their best to make sure their kids are successful in life. And there was that one comment about speaking Tagalog and a lot of Filipino parents who immigrate out to the U.S. to give their children better life, they don't teach their kids Tagalog or their other native tongue. There's over 120 different languages in the Philippines and they don't teach them that so that way they can better assimilate into society. If they're going to an English-speaking school, they should probably learn English and learn it really well so they can succeed, get good jobs, etc., etc. I do want to note there is representation of Filipinos in America, you know, specifically in California. Um, San Francisco has a uh, Filipino community in downtown mm-hmm. where um, there's uh, there's this one place called Bindlestiff Studios. And mm-hmm. um, I've seen plays there where the actors are Filipino mm-hmm. and, you know, they try to do an authentic job at sharing Filipino stories, traditions and cultures and, um, you know, keep that alive and, and teach young Filipino Americans about, you know, their culture, because you have to find these things in America to learn. It's not always available. Um, you know, also in like Los Angeles, they have a historic Filipino town. Mm-hmm. And I actually used to live in historic Filipino town, but you know, there wasn't a, anything really Filipino about it, to be okay. honest. Um, there's only small, a small patch of it. Okay. You know, there's like a couple restaurants there, but the good thing, there's actually um, community centers there for Filipinos. So mm-hmm. you have resources, you know, and, you know, have, have, have health care, um, you know, have a um, to transition better into like American life, like mm-hmm. immigrant centers, things like that, which is really cool and really necessary. It's just, um, you know, compared to, say, like a Chinatown, it's a oh, very, yeah. very small, um, you know, space in the community. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you have to go find these things. Yeah. But hopefully, you know, down the line, these resources for Filipinos and these communities become stronger and larger. So, um, you know, that the the place where you find the most Filipinos isn't just Seafood City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. Like, things are changing. Like, but back to the the tiktok and you know philip like why filipino americans find that type of humor funny in my personal opinion and you know obviously like if you don't have to agree with me or anything but i don't think those jokes uh, like mocking jokes come from a place of malice i think that it just comes from a place of trying to connect and grasp onto our heritage like i said because of the erasure and because of the lack of representation in mainstream media and just on top of that there's also these like anti-asian rhetorics going to school or going to the workplace and you bring chicken adobo or synagogue or something from your culture and it being deemed weird or stinky and abnormal in comparison to pbj sandwiches or uh, a bag of doritos doritos can stink too. Oh yeah, the funyuns <laughs> can can stink. Like all your food, American food, and all that cute. Like, calm yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's that on top of you know the lack of representation and so much more that 
combines and it's creating this clusterfuck almost. And so I think when we make jokes of our parents' accent, it's not to be mean and cruel. It's just like a connection because the Filipino-American experience is super unique. It is um, unique like how Filipinos in the Philippines, that experience is unique. Filipino Brits, that experience is unique. Filipino Australians, that experience is unique. <laughs> and it it's completely understandable because a Filipino person in the Philippines who speaks a language, you know, is around Filipinos all the time, they're not going to make fun of their moms the way the mom speaks because mm-hmm. they all have the same accent, the same twang in their voice. Yeah. Like, and of course, you're not going to understand. And that's like where, like, you have to distinguish what's you know entertainment and what's a bond opposed to someone really trying to degrade you like filipino americans aren't trying to degrade filipinos yeah and you know i think that's something that that also needs to you know be said and have a conversation with like Mm -hmm. you know um it's it's really interesting yeah and speaking what you were saying about conversation circling back to that initial comment from the on that TikTok about, you know, these are the same people who don't speak Tagalog correctly. It's very interesting because it seems like the Filipinos who use language as the main identifier of who is more Filipino or who's Filipino enough makes me think about how Philippine media portrays Filipino Americans or Filipinos who speak English. So have you watched Heart of Dixie? No. Okay, so Heart of Dixie, if you don't know what that is, it used to be on air. It's a, Fil- uh, not a Philippine, it's an American TV show starring Rachel Bilson. It's one of my favorites. I adore that show. But it's about this girl named Zoe Hart who moves to a very small town. And she's from the big city. And in the show, they kind of villainize her in the point of view of the other, of the um, her new her new neighbors in this small town, they kind of villainize her for being just this bougie, hotshot city girl. And this is a very popular trope in American media where city people are pretentious, they're elitist, and the country... girl. Yeah, or like, and like the country bumpkins are the underdogs you root for. Yeah, so it's a very popular trope. And in Philippine media, they do something similar that I've noticed. Um, Because watching Filipino movies and Filipino TV shows, whenever they depict a rich family or a person who is rich and comes from a very affluent family, they have those characters speak Taglish, which is a mixture of Tagalog and English, for example. So there's this um, Filipino drama called Mara Clara, and it came out originally in the 90s, and then they rebooted it and released a new one in 2010. And essentially what this TV show is about, it's about two girls, Mara and Clara, who were switched at birth, and then their paths cross. And it's just this really crazy journey. It's honestly a really good damn fucking awesome TV Philippine TV drama. I'm sure you can find it somewhere. I highly recommend watching it. It's fantastic. Anyways, so Mara comes from a low-income part of the Philippines while Clara comes from a family with money. And a lot of the times when they're showing Clara and her family when she's speaking to her mom or her dad, they speak Tagalish. And all in the blog, I'll go ahead and post, you know, a little clip 
from um, the show that kind of better shows where they're speaking Tagalog and maybe halfway through they'll continue um, speaking English. And they don't do this with Mara's family. They only do it with Clara's family. And they do it a lot, not just in this show particularly, but in other uh, movies or other TV shows. There's another example where I saw a clip. I, I don't know. I've been trying to find this clip. And it's from a Filipino TV or movie. So if anyone knows what I'm talking about, please let me know because I would actually like to watch this thing in full. But it's a clip where two brothers, I don't know if they're uh, full brothers or half brothers or step brothers or whatever, but one of them, they're both arguing. And one of them is speaking Tagalog. The other one is responding back in English. And at the climax of this argument, the English speaking brother says, you know, why do you hate me so much? I don't understand. What did I do to you? And the person, the brother in Tagalog you know, responds with but what you're doing now because you speak to me in English. It's like they're kind of trying to indirectly villainize Filipino Americans or English speaking Filipinos through language like only entitled privileged Western people speak English that um, westernized people or assimilated Good Filipinos God. are are so far gone from their roots, making them a threat. See, this is where it gets even more complex because like we mentioned before the philippines is one of um you know the top english-speaking countries in the world mm -hmm. they literally teach english in schools yes like my mama when she was growing up she uh she was born in, in 1930 when she's growing up she was taught english mm -hmm. and you know like in these examples where like this dude saying oh i don't like you because that's what you, that's what you're doing you're talking english it's like well in the Philippines, they speak English, and, and it makes it seem like uh, English is like this elitist um, language, mm -hmm. like only the rich, only the wealthy speak English, only the people in the city speak English. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, I just don't I just don't understand why it's like that. Yeah. Like, and maybe and this might be a reach. This is completely a theory, but maybe Filipinos in the Philippines, maybe they see Filipinos who immigrate to the U.S. and um, make a name for themselves or just become successful. It's like that we want to pull you down and we'll pull you down through media and kind of show that Filipino Americans or maybe English speaking Filipinos are aren't good because they're just so far from what it means to be Filipino. See, they get such like a really, really gray area mm -hmm. because like my mama, she didn't come from a rich city. She mm -hmm. came from an island, like yeah. a small island, you know, where you got to take a boat to go to the island and, and it takes hours to go from the main city. So it's not like the only people who are able to speak this language and have this um, certain uppity, you know, you know, vibe to them and uppity, um, what's it called? Not character, uppity characteristics, I guess, uh -huh. about them. You know, that's not synonymous to English speaking Filipino. Mm -hmm. And there's already this skewed mm. idea of what it means to be Filipino American. For example, you know, we have family members in the Philippines who automatically think just because we live here in the u.s we are rich we have mansions and yes maybe our dollar goes a longer way out there maybe five dollars to us can get us one coffee but five dollars 
in the Philippines can be a day's worth of groceries. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't negate the fact that there's still a lot of struggle out here. Yeah, there's there's so much struggle out here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think people like a lot of Filipinos back home who have limited um, experience speaking to a Filipino Americans or Filipinos who have immigrated to America or other countries um, in the world and um, have, you know, careers there, have lives there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have to understand that it's not like opportunities knocking at our door. You know, you have to work really, really hard to be successful. And even when you work hard, you're not always rewarded with the equal amount of success. You mm-hmm. know, sometimes you could work so damn hard, but you're literally working to death. You're going to work till the day you die. You're going to work till you're old and your back hurts and, you know, you're sick because you you can't afford to, to, to not work. You, yeah. You can't retire. You know, it's mm-hmm. not like what is it 65 when you could retire that's ridiculous to me yeah and then it also just goes back to the idea of that that disconnection or that disparity between the two cultures uh, in the philippines and filipino americans and successes because i there might be filipinos in the philippines don't realize that there's a lot of and this is a whole different episode but there's a lot of systemic racism just here in the U.S. and you could work so hard, but because you have an ethnic sounding name, someone else could get a promotion faster than you or you can't even get your foot in the door. The struggles in the Philippines as a Filipino um, citizen, as a Filipino person, Mm -hmm. in a sense, still carry over to us, Mm -hmm. you know, even as Filipino Americans, you know, we still we still have that adversity as Filipinos. It doesn't like it doesn't make us any less Filipino than than you back home. You Mm -hmm. know, yes, we have a San Filipino American. We might not have grown up in a Filipino household fully or our our peers might not have an all Filipino, but we still carry that that struggle as a Filipino here in America. Mm-hmm, 100%. And speaking of Filipino-Americans who have really made amazing successes here are, you know, people like Olivia Rodrigo and Shay Mitchell and her and Saweetie. And there is a uh, Facebook post that we came across in one of the Filipino Facebook groups that we're a part of and someone brought up their friend and this friend was saying how those uh, artists like Olivia Rodrigo and Shay Mitchell and all that um, aren't true Filipinos and that they only use their heritage when it benefits them essentially being performative with their you know Filipino-ness. So I started to get you know, in the comments, as as we do, mm-hmm. um, to, you know, this is the way we communicate with fellow Filipinos, obviously, because of uh, COVID, you know, distance. So, you know, this is our way to really understand our, our community. I got into the comments because I wanted to to really dig in and see where people's mindsets were about Filipino representation. You know, like the way I see it, it's cool seeing, you know, people like her, Saweetie, um, you know, Shane Mitchell, all of them, um, you know, shout out to them for their success. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really great representation. But yeah. people minimize them um, and say, oh, you know what? 
they're not enough for us anyways um so i, I tell this guy um on on the chat and i'm like you know what about uh ernie reyes jr ernie reyes senior how about the the bosco family mm-hmm. you know and a lot of them they they got their success in, in the 90s and 2000s mm-hmm. where there wasn't any filipino representation yeah um you know there wasn't social media to spread um about them being like the, the biggest talent in America who are Filipino. Like, you know, the first time I saw Dante Bosco was as Rufio on Hook. This was in mm-hmm. the early 90s. And, you know, when I saw him, I wasn't, it didn't like, I didn't know he was Filipino. I just saw him as Rufio, yeah. like the leader of the Lost Boys, you know, like, and that's all it was. But, you know, since then, like, his family has really been successful in a presence, not only in American media, filmmaking, um, but as, Filipino presence in entertainment Mm -hmm. and so I I tell this guy you know what about um, Ernie Reyes Sr. the Bosco family they're well-known successful Filipinos and are Filipino American I said are they not Filipino enough for you Mm -hmm. Um, and then he says Bosco brothers are Amboy Amboy (laughs) essentially is it's a slang term for just you know American boy but it can have a negative com- connotation like, eh, like, amboy, like, don't pay any mind. Or it could just be, you know, joking like, eh, you're just an amboy, like, eh, okay, you know, so kind of thing. It could be derogatory depending on how you say yeah, it. Yeah, it just de- depends on it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think that he might have gotten this amboy, uh, you know, idea of the Boscos because of maybe the debut. Okay. Um, so the debut. Um, it was a film that came out in 2001. It's about this Filipino family whose sister, whose daughter is uh, having her 18th birthday mm-hmm. and debut is kind of like a quince where um, the 18-year-old is presented to society as a young woman. Um, and it's a big, big event for, for the family and the community. Yes. Um, and actually, the first time I ever heard of a debut was through the movie. Mm. I didn't even know debuts existed. I knew quince's existed, yeah. but I didn't know Filipinas had their own version of of it for their daughters. So back to this dude in the chats, right? So I tell him, you're gatekeeping again. The Bosco bros have not only been successful in acting careers in America, but as writers, directors, and producers. They've also made it known with their intentions to include Filipino identity and experiences through film and storytelling. They've set an example for many Filipinos and Philams to look up and to admire. Mm-hmm. Um, in the debut, the Bosco family, um, you know, shared this story of, of the experiences of a Filipino American, um, and you know, 20 years later, the Bosco family released another film, which I would like to consider the, the debut 2.0. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen the movie yet. I plan on watching it soon, but it's called The Fabulous Filipino Brothers. And it's pretty much another story where um, they come together as a family. So I believe it's somebody's wedding, like a family member's wedding. And it's it's showing um, the experience, not only as Filipino Americans, but also the experience as a Filipino family. Mm-hmm. And through um, you know the eyes of Filipino American experience, and you know in this production the it's Dante Bosco's directorial debut, which is really really cool. Nice. And but it makes me think like, why is it his directorial debut now? Is it because he didn't get the opportunity to? Was he not earlier in his career? Was he not interested? Or was it the only chance for him to become a director for a film? was through his own production which mm. has its pros and cons you know yeah. you have full control of the of the, of the project etc but you know that's that's a whole other story in this this film the F- uh, fabulous filipino brothers 
the whole family's involved. The sister narrates. Mm-hmm. The brothers are all uh, acting in it. The family, um, their parents, their their family members, aunties and uncles are all a part of this movie, which is really cool because they're making it a family affair. Um, they go back to their roots. They they grew up in Pittsburgh, California. Um, they go back to the neighborhoods there to shoot. They go back to this Filipino um, community center that played a big role in their upbringing and where they learned their their skills, their talents, they groom their talents, um, you know, so they're paying like homage to their upbringing as Filipino Americans. See, I think that's wonderful that the Bosco family are able to create something for our community not just for our community, I want to say create something for other communities as well to get more insight on what it means to be Filipino-American and showing our culture and our experiences and our Mm -hmm. stories through the eyes of a Filipino-American. And I think that's really wonderful. And if someone like this person that you're talking with on Facebook is trying to negate that and say they're not Filipino enough, Mm -hmm. it's really like... It's sad because look at all the wonderful things the Bosco family is doing for the community. Mm -hmm. And if that's not being Filipino enough, then shit, I'm a white person named (laughs) Sandra. (laughs) You know? Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, and, you know, the more I talk to this guy, the more all these layers started coming out. And actually, the layer didn't take too long to come out. It just... It was one layer. So, so check this out, right? <laughs> so he goes, you know what's funny about Amboys? When I came here in the States when I was nine, almost all of the so-called Phil Ams made fun of me because of my accent in school. You ain't real Filipino if you haven't been to ESL. I remember vividly they have a word for people like me. Fob. Remember that? Anyways, all this BS Phil Am Pinoy pride started booming because of Pacquiao. Okay. That was interesting, right? I love how he just brought that up. <laughs> he he brought it up out of nowhere. Yeah. I just started talking about the Bosco brothers showing representation as Filipino Americans, mm-hmm. right? But this guy, he immediately went back to his childhood of being hurt. It showed me more insecurity, more um like a, like a unhealed wound mm-hmm. of how he was treated by a Filipino American that he doesn't see or he kind of categorizes all Filipino Americans as hateful or um, making fun of him or bullying him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it sucks. You know, it really sucks that he was bullied. You yeah. know? And I'm sure being a kid, it was even more hurtful because you can't process that kind of treatment. You know, the interesting part, too, about all this is the guy who I was speaking with. Mm-hmm. He's a, a dark skinned Filipino mm-hmm. who actually looks like he could be a cousin of the Bosco brothers. Oh, okay. You know, and it's like he, it sucks that he can't find relation or he won't allow himself to see relation mm-hmm. to the Boscos or people who look like, like him but are Filipino American because of that divide, that, that versus, you uh-huh. know, like that, um, maybe the, the feeling of not being included. Yeah. You know, it's affected him as an adult. Mm -hmm. And, you know, who knows how many Filipino adults, grandparents, you know, grandparents are running around here saying these hurtful comments because of, you know, unhealed wounds like that Mm -hmm. or treatment from, you know, a certain person or hearing stories of a certain, you know, type of person um, and that affecting them, you know, 
in their everyday. It's interesting how you were saying that this guy could be a uh, Bosco cousin. And so it reminds me because in a previous episode, I talked about not seeing myself represented in uh, mainstream American movies and TV and media. And when I started watching Filipino movies and TV, I still wasn't seeing myself because a lot of the top build actors that play these main roles tend to be Tagalog speaking, um, light skinned, uh, thin, long, black, straight hair. And that is the opposite of me in a sense, because I come from an Ilocano speaking family. I'm curvy. I'm brown as fuck. I got thick hair. And so maybe this could be one of the reasons why that guy maybe doesn't like the Bosco brothers or the Bosco family because he doesn't see himself in them. He's someone who was born in the Philippines and immigrated to the U.S. And maybe he would have more respect for the Bosco brothers had they been immigrants to the U.S. Mm. There's this skewed perception of what it means to live in the U.S. And this idea that being in the U.S. is easy. And yes, there's, you know, more opportunity out here, but that doesn't mean it's easy to get. Mm -hmm. So despite the Bosco family working extremely hard for their careers, maybe that guy on Facebook thought, that it wasn't enough because they already lived in the U.S. and they had to step up to their yeah. career and completely erasing the idea that they're doing oh, so much Filipino for the Filipino struggle. Yeah. Exactly, mm -hmm. yeah. And maybe he never saw their struggle. Maybe he was just so put off that they're amboys to not mm -hmm. look more into them and see that they probably have struggled mm -hmm. and are using their platform and creating these films um, as a way to cope and open up doors and pave the way for Filipino mm -hmm. Americans like us to do great things, mm -hmm. you know, and with the Filipino community, it's a lot of cherry picking and picking and choosing who gets to have a platform or who gets the support. Mm -hmm. And when, you know, crab mentality, just, Take like oh yay Bosco brothers are almost out of the pot pull you yeah. fuck back down yeah. and just just as hard as you go for the Manny Pacquiao's uh, who's arguably problematic just want to add it there <laughs> um, you know just as hard as you go for him go hard for other Filipinos out here trying to make a name for themselves mm -hmm. you know let's let's stop this Filipino versus Filipino and on that note you know that's actually just a tip of the iceberg mm -hmm. uh, we barely cracked the coconut on this one um, you know there's so much more to tear down. Uh, with Filipinos to really understand each other um, until we can tear down these walls, fears, insecurities, and all that. We're not really going to get to that understanding and, you know, how we feel, how we think. So hopefully with this platform, you know, we're able to continue to do that. So, you know, listening in, joining us on these conversations. Mm -hmm. Also, maybe be a Tony Talks and you can change. Yes, 100%. <laughs> be a Tony Talks. Um if there was something in this episode that you agreed with, that you want to comment on, or maybe something that you yourself found offensive and you want to call us out on it, please do so through social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram at Cracking the Coconut, as well as TikTok and Twitter at Cracking the Cocoa. If you visit our website, crackingthecoconut.com and hit the contact button, you will see that there's a little form you could fill out. It'll it'll send it's straight to our inbox, our email. So if you want to comment on that, you know, let us know. If you're really enjoying it, again, please go ahead and 
uh, rate us on Apple Podcasts, leave a review that would help us so, so, so much. And yeah, question though, did on this episode with the coconut, did the coconut at least fall off the tree? The because co- this is a complex topic. I don't, did it fall? The coconut is off the tree. Okay. It just got a dent, maybe missing a couple coconut hairs. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot more unpacking to do, a lot more of opening wounds, but then healing those wounds, not just slapping a Band-Aid on it and calling it a day. There's so much work to be done. And uh, thank you again for joining us on this journey. Yes. Yeah. All right, y'all. Take care. (laughs) Bye. Peace.